Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Um, it really is. It's exciting to be here. Thank you for your invitation. Um, yes, so uh, my name is Danny Miller. Uh, um, actually, I was here uh, back in June. So um, just humor me. Who, who was here at the Brother Yun, the Heavenly Man meeting? Were, were some of you here? Great. Did you enjoy it? Did you get something from it? I hope so. I'm not sure what I've done if you said no, but it's, it's, um, it's a real blessing. So it's good to be back. Thank you for inviting me. Um, I do bring you greetings from uh, Hope Church, loving greetings from the guys there and, and J28 Church. Uh, they, they send their love. They, they send me to you uh, with their blessing. Not sure how that means, but I'm, I'm coming back to them and stuff. But uh, uh, I, I've got a wife, uh, Jo. She's not able to be here. She's back at Hope Church. I've got two little girls. Grace is 11 and Eliana is 18. Sorry, eight. <laughs> Been saved for a number of years, 30 um, uh, odd years. I come from a non-Christian family, by the way. I got saved in 85. And you know, it, it's strange when I'm born again, older than some people are born. And it's just bizarre, you know. I, I know you agree with me, because I don't look that old. But it's really strange to so say for 32 years. Um, I went back after, because uh, I came from a non-Christian family, so I went to this Bible camp. I only went to play football and find girls. That was it. I was younger then. And... Uh, and, you know, I enjoyed the football. I'm sure I had a girlfriend or something like that. I can't remember. But, you know, I went to a Bible camp. It was in the 80s. Who got saved during the 80s? Okay, it's a few of you. They don't mess about in the 80s. You know, there were, the theme for the Bible camp back then was uh, don't get left behind. You know, repent or burn. I mean, people would run a mile nowadays. But, you know, in that time, but that was the theme for the week at kids' camp. You've got to get saved. Jesus is coming back soon. Uh, got to about Thursday. I went for a walk after lunch. I came back to the camp. There was about 80, you know, young people, teenagers there. Got back to the camp field. Gone. Everyone had been raptured. I'd been left behind. And, you know, in the beginning, I was like, hello, where is everyone? It's true. True story. And in the end, it's like, hello. <laughs> oh, no, I've been left behind. There were, uh, back then as well, there were dorms nowadays in these, these, these Bible camps, but uh, there were tents in those days. And so there were about seven or eight uh, people in that tent with a tent leader. And then you had one row of boy tents, and then over the other side of the field, they'd be the girl tents. So I had a tent leader. The thing is, across the field coming toward me was my tent leader. He was the one that, so I, I'm thinking, at first I was really relieved, then it dawned on me, he's obviously been really bad because he's been left behind as well. Um, and the thing is for him, he looked like a Christian. Now, I'll be careful if I say this, but, you know, he's one of those, and he's such a lovely guy. I've stood in touch now over these years. He works for London City Mission, but he, uh, he had, you know, big round glasses. But you did in the 80s. Everyone had that, so he covered the face, you know, not just the eyes, the face. And... Um, and he had white socks that came up to his kneecaps and sandals on. So you just know that he's a Christian. Back then. 
You all look great. None of you look like that. You all look good here. So anyway, I, 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 I thought either God's made a mistake and forgotten about him or he has been bad. So I had a little chat with him and then he explained, Danny, it's fine. They've all gone off to uh, Winchester and, you know, swimming and stuff. And back then there were the minibuses, not like they are now. It's all a bit boring now. But back then you just had these two wooden benches either side of the minibuses, you know, the church minibuses. And they're wooden. So every time the, the pastor or the leader who couldn't drive, you know, braked, you just go sliding along. The wo- Am I the only one? Have you all just got saved? Can I get some nod? Come on. And so that was really cool. So all they did was throw as many young people into the cram them in, shut the door. You know, there was no health and safety back then. It was a lot more fun. And so, uh, but they, did, they assumed that was either one, one or the other minibuses until they got there. But it dawned on me. What if that was true? What if Jesus didn't tarry any longer and he comes back and fulfilling his word, what he promised? Even though many Christians kind of forget that side, and it's very rarely preached on, but he actually comes back. But I didn't wait until, I don't want to be the other side of that. And so I felt that was an opportunity to give my life to the Lord. So I got on my knees, asked Jesus into my life. I went home, I told my mum. I said, mum, I've asked Jesus into my life. She said, oh, that's nice, dear. It's a phase. I was 13 years old. I grow out of it. I still haven't grown up. Because I love Jesus. He's just everything to me. And it's wonderful. It really is wonderful to know him. I'm not sure he's always felt that way to know me. All right. But... um, it's been interesting to think, why have I shared that? Because I've not preached it before, so I just want to spend a couple of moments. Because, you know, as I was putting this message together, the Lord has put a, a little message just for a few minutes on my heart to share with you. Um, but before I get to that part, and I, I want to introduce a little bit of, of the missions and what God is doing. Um, I got saved in 85, but my defining moment, if I could say that, we all have, it's a journey, so we all have a lot of defining moments. You can all look back in your journey, it's not just once, there's things that have reshaped the course of your life, things have happened. Many good, there's some that haven't been good, but long term they may have led to something good, but for mine, it wasn't 85, it was 1995. You see, I'd known the Lord for 10 years, 10 years. I spend the old age of 23. And, um, and you know, the thing is, uh, and I was involved in, in youth and, and, and all that type of stuff in the church, but um, I, I just felt that, you know, I wanted to do a little bit more. I, I love the Lord, but I love football back then. You won't believe it now. I got married and holiday and just, you know, <sighs> but I love football. And then all my friends were football friends, and they said, Look, do you want to play football again? It was a Sunday. So I began to go away and start playing football again on a Sunday. And then, then there was a, I, I got one of those phone calls. You ever had one of those phone calls? It was a phone call where um, it was my mum. It, uh, it was interesting, a long story, so I'm not going to go down that road. But a lot happened. It's like, Danny, your brother, he's been killed in a car crash. Um, drunk driver ran into him. It was three months before he was due to be married. Um, his fiance was in the car as well. And it's all crazy and, and tragic. So that was a, a bit of a shock. And not many in the church phoned me. Or, or, or I just felt like, man, all my friends 
were not in the church, they were out in the world. And I felt, you know, I just want to get away. I, I, I just want to get away. I'm not good enough, really, for Christianity. And so the um, thing is, everyone, because I'd done all the schoolwork and youth work, everyone knew me. I'm from Portsmouth originally. I'm not from up north. Okay. And, um, but, uh, so I'm from Portsmouth. And so, you know, a lot of areas in Portsmouth, the gospel and all that stuff, knew of me. And I didn't want to give God a bad name, but I kind of had enough of the church. Oh, I didn't dislike the church. I just thought I'm not good enough. I wasn't as good as you, the rest of you. So I thought, well, where can I go? So I decided to move to New York City, as you do. And um, I thought no one knows me there, and there won't be any Christians there anyway. So um, I'll be all right. Um, and I started soccer training, football training, and all that type of stuff. But I remember I was in a, a place one time, and I was in a club, I think, and the music was going on and all this type of stuff. I was a young guy, and I just stood there, and it just looked a real emptiness. I mean, it was full, but it's just empty. It's just so shallow. And in the midst of all the music, I always remember, I said, Lord, I miss you. I miss you. And instantly, in the, you've got to, because when you're in the club, but yet the Lord said, Danny, I miss you too. Oof. I mean, there were girls in front of me, you know, I was like, beer, I was like, you know, cry. I thought, I've just got to get out of here, you know, because the Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Once you've had your moment with God, life, which is born for you at the back, if, if you are sitting in the back, it's perfectly fine. But for me, I thought it's safe at the back. And, um, and so I started to sit at the back of the church and I realized, you know what? I'm just not good enough for God. I've messed up. And it hadn't dawned on me that though I'd asked Jesus into my life, I, I hadn't really grasped his view on me. I mean, I knew my view on me. But there's a big difference sometimes between my thought on me and God's view of me. I, I thought I had a perception of what God may think of me. Okay, do you, are you still, just stay with me. Because... Uh, I started, I got a job again, and I'd left, you know, college, and I was like, I got a, just a regular job, and started working with a friend, his name was Paul, Paul Black, he's a good guy, and um, he used to, we used to talk about the future then, he used to share, Danny, I'm going to, I'm going to go around Europe, I'm going to, I'm going to travel, I'm going to do these, 21, and I'm like, and he said, Danny, what are you going to do? And up until then, I'd always thought, I'm just going to serve God, I don't know how, but my future was in him, but because I realized I wasn't going to be good enough, I suddenly had no future. So I used to say to Paul, I don't know. And I used to remember saying, God, you know, if the rapture happens, great. If you take me home, that, that's fine. I knew the truth. I'm, you're not silly. You know the truth. But I didn't know where I fit into that truth. So you know it, but it's like, where's your place? Now I'm a pastor of hundreds, and it's like everyone's got a CGC, and everyone's got a, a calling, everyone's got a gift, and everyone's got a place in the church. But people have to have that defining moment where they know, not that this gets whole, but there's that revelation. Wow, I'm part of what you're doing, God. Well, and that brings grace, but then it comes acceptance. So I got to that place where I didn't know. And then one day, this is my defining moment, and this is what leads me just to share for a couple of moments. Because, um, you know, this is just my intro. Yeah, they might not be welcome back, but... Um, my defining moment came uh, near my birthday, actually. Uh, so August 10th. If you're taking notes. All right, forget it. 
And, uh, and so actually on the day before, I got a phone call from Paul. He said, Paul, let's go out that evening. Well, okay. He said, it's your birthday. I've got a couple of my friends. Four of us will go into Portsmouth. We'll, have, we'll celebrate your birthday. I thought, that's fine. Yeah, okay. About an hour before us to go, I'd actually had another phone call, and it was from a, a, another friend of mine who was a Christian, and he, he invited me to go out for like a burger with him to celebrate. And we hadn't seen each other for a little while. So I did. I said, but yeah, that'd be great, Matt. I'll do that. Let's, let's do that. And we had a great evening. I phoned Paul. I said, Matt, uh, Paul, I'll see you the next day. He said, that's fine. I'm having a barbecue at my house. Come, uh, come over and we'll, we'll, we'll celebrate your birthday. I thought, that's fine. Uh, so I went out that evening. Now, the, the next day, and this is for me, uh, for my defining moment, was that I was actually to work just that morning. It was a Saturday, and, and he didn't turn up. And then later, because I'm conscious of the time, I, I, later in the day, I found out that he was killed. In fact, they were all killed in a car crash. So coming back from Portsmouth that night, a car, the guy who was driving, he, I think he had a little bit to drink, and so the car tried to take a corner, and ended up wrapped around a tree. And Paul, on the way to hospital, he died. A few days later, I was then stand, oh, I was then in, the, in this um, little chapel um, where the funeral service of Paul was going to take place. He was 21. They're all three were 21. Um, and I, once again, I was at the back. The thing is, when I was sitting at the back, and I knew the family a little bit, they were at the front, he had two sisters, and you know, this, this life tragedy cut short, and it was, a, 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 in a way, a funeral that was filled with hopelessness. It's a big difference when you know the Lord and when you don't. So I was sitting at the back, and the doors were right by me. And as the doors opened, the coffin of Paul came by with the pallbearers. As soon as the coffin was passing by, God spoke to me. This was my defining moment. It wasn't 85 when I was saved. It was actually 10 years later when I suddenly grasped that I was loved. And not because of what I'm going to do or didn't do. Simply because of who I am. So as the coffee went by, God spoke to me. He said, Danny, I've kept you. I've kept you not because of what you've done or going to do. I've kept you because of who you are. And I love you. So as this coffin was by, I sat there, and suddenly that was my defining moment. I knew it's not about me. Now, there's an expectation, there's requirement, there's, there's standard once you're in there. But it comes from the knowledge of knowing who you are in Christ. You're not here as an accident. You're not here by, like, and you're sitting next to people thinking, well, they've got greater, better giftings than me, or whatever. I'm sure none of you are there. I'm sure you've all had your defining moments. But I just felt, being here on this August bank holiday Sunday, that for if you are here this morning, God wants to speak to you. And he wants to reaffirm that there is a plan and purpose for you. It's not something that you deserve. It's not something that is required because he's seen uh, your actions. It's because of who you are. You were created in the image of God. You were in the mother's womb and he knit you together. And he put uh, temperament and giftings and talents and abilities in you. And now he wants to stir that up. But it's got to be based on the knowledge where you know your identity. So I don't know what's going on in weeks past. You could have had all this preached. But that God's put this on my heart. If you want to see the defining moments through, for David, it was Goliath. But he had to be in the right place. Sometimes to lead that, 
It is through obedience. I want to encourage you to do that. There's many others as well, but for the sake of time. Let me read that. 1 Samuel 17, just two verses. One day Jesse said to David, take this basket of roasted grain and these 10 loaves of bread and carry them quickly to your brothers and give these 10 cuts of cheese to the captain. See how your brothers are getting along and bring them back a report of how they are doing. Praise God. So God does position people, but it is often out of obedience. So when you love him, you know, just honor and do your best and give you all, whatever the position, whatever you're doing in the church, because you're not doing it for the next person, you're doing it for him. But he doesn't miss anything. He does not miss a thing. He will remember you. Okay, you won't, he won't pass you by. You need to remember that. I share all that because, um, you know, for me, if someone said at that age, you know, even coming out that 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 funeral service in 95 I then uh, I, I just served the Lord I was get, I got involved in church ministry and uh, youth work again and, and missions as well I went to Romania in the mid 90s and uh, got involved with all the orphanages and all the stuff that was going on there and, um, and and God just opened up a door and the thing is one thing that happened to me is um, uh, you just end up loving people no matter what country nationality what culture it was just incredible. And so for me, and obviously this is now reflected in the, ch- in the church that I pastor, but missions is it's not an add-on. It's not something like this is another ministry. It's part of the culture of church. It's so healthy, especially in Rotherham. Because half the people in Rotherham, they never leave Rotherham. When they move house from, you know, when they've grown up, they move next door to their mum. When they shop, if they shop in Asda, they'll always shop in Asda. Even if they're right next to Tesco, they'll still shop in Asda because they've always done that. Bless them. And so, you know, and, and so to have the global mission culture and perspective is so important. Uh, and so like many churches we, uh, up there, you know, we've got the food bank, we've got community, we've got toddler groups. We have all the local, but it's so healthy to have global mission. There's something you never forget when you go overseas and you see what God is doing outside of England. It's awesome. Because I used to think God is British. <laughs> so um, I introduced myself. I'm the, the UK director for Back to Jerusalem. Uh, what is Back to Jerusalem? It's not really to do with Jerusalem. I love Israel. I've been to Israel. But it's all to do with um, 21st century. How does it look now? How does missions look in 2017? Because it's different from 100 years ago, to be honest with you. It's different than 10 years ago. So what are you and I a part of? Because we're part of the church. We're part of the church here, the congregation, which is wonderful. But you and I, we're part of a great body of believers. And so there are many visions and organizations. Brilliant. Love it. And um, so Back to Jerusalem is simply a vision more than just an organization. Uh, it literally was about 100 years ago under Chairman Mao. So was, he, he came into power in 1949 in China. Um, but there were a number of Chinese themselves, not the missionaries because they'd been kicked out, but the Chinese themselves had to then lead the church, run the church. Back then it was the underground church because Chairman Mao got rid of all the church, kicked out all the missionaries. Before then it was very British. And so um, they had to learn to stand on their own two feet. The thing is God just raised up this group of Chinese people, and they, what was birthed was a, a mission 
that as the gospel from, from Calvary, the gospel's gone through Europe. The Reformation, 500 years ago now, uh, took place there in Germany and in um, some, some um, All Saints uh, Church there um, with Martin Luther. You saw that where the 95 Theses nailed on the wall. All of that kicked off. Then you had the Reformationals in, in the Reformation in, in John Calvin and, and all these things. Then you got to the UK. Then you got to America. So it's all gone around the world. The Chinese see themselves that they want to take the gospel, fulfilling what Jesus said. To preach the gospel to all the world. To go and be my witnesses. Be my disciples in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. To the ends of the, uh, ends of the earth. And so they want to take it in full circle. Well, there's 22 closed nations between Israel and China. And so these Chinese, they feel called to go and serve in these nations. They grew up, especially if they're a Christian, they know the Lord. They, they've grown up knowing or experiencing what it's like to be persecuted. What it's like to be followed. What's it like to be raided in, in, with the police during the, the middle of a meeting. They've seen miracles. And I'll share a little bit about that in a moment. But uh, they feel equipped. So what we do here in the West is support and stand with the church in China. There's over 30,000 people a day coming to Christ in China. In, alone. And, and this is amazing. So many of them have a heart for mission. And that's what this is. This is what Back to Jerusalem is. So it's all about now for us, we're serving in England, but actually God is calling people to now go the extra mile. Okay? There's your church, there's your own community, and rightly so is your family, your loved ones. Okay. But there's more. There's always more. I mean, I'm, I'm here in Cambridge this Sunday. Next Sunday, I'm preaching in Hong Kong. Uh, then uh, a few days later, I'm actually at the Great Wall of China. I'm meeting with some of these underground church leaders as well. Uh, so it's incredible what God is doing. Uh, then uh, after Iraq, straight after that, and to see what God is doing, well, which is amazing. Um, and then I'm going to come back and see if my church is still standing <laughs> in Rotherham. Um, so... Uh, But it's incredible with some of these believers, you know, it's um, great to see all the leaflets that you have here. Uh, In in China, the the police kind of have a dim view on these leaflets. And so um, notices are really interesting. Uh, It's actually the Holy Spirit does the notice, which in my church, I love that because I'm useless at notices in my church. I forget half the things that are going on. But um, in China, um, when, especially with the underground church, when they meet, no one tells them. So when they end up in a house or a derelict building or a cave for either a meeting or a Bible study, many people have turned up. The Holy Spirit has told these people, it's not on WhatsApp, it's not on Facebook, it's not some big poster somewhere, because it's illegal. But how do they meet? Well, God shows them. And so people have this unction in their heart, or they have a dream or a vision, you know, different things for different people. Suddenly they end up in these places. Bible uh, college, you know, um, we, we've had Mattacy and, and that type of thing, that's great. But in, in China, they, for many, when they get saved, um, they go to Bible college, which is in a cave. And so they spend three months in a cave memorizing scripture because the word of God is so precious to them. But the actual word, the Bible itself is, is just, there's not enough to go around. So they're taught to memorize. Also, if you're caught with the Bible, 
then you're just making life difficult for yourself. So out of wisdom, they're just trying to memorize as much scripture as possible. And so for many, they spend three months then uh, memorizing the word of God, and then they are let loose in all the provinces around the world, um, around China. And so it really is um, quite in- incredible, the word of God. Them receiving God's word is so precious. It's interesting what we just heard earlier about God's word. But I want to encourage you, treasure the word. Treasure the Bible. Whatever's gone on in the past, whatever struggles you may have, get into God's word. You know, praying is just so precious. You're talking to God. You read God's word, that's God talking to you. I think it's worth hearing what God has to say. Read God's word. Do you want to see some Chinese Christians receiving a Bible for the first time? There's a little bit of raw footage that's taken. Many of these Christians have loved the Lord for years and never seen God's word together, all together. They've had pages. Many of them have had little pages and stuff like all they've quoted, but they've never had God's word. And I know we have, I have, I've got tons of Bibles, you know, different versions and everything. But, but when you've never had a Bible, there's something within you just craves God's word. <sighs> precious, isn't it? Treasure your Bible. It's precious. Read it. Read it. Okay, it's your lifeline. And um, anyway, so, uh, you know, that's China. And then, the, the, uh, then there's many others that were serving in North Korea and Iran. God is doing incredible things, incredible things. There's a new console. Um, uh, you're the first church to know this because it's just been made in China. I got news of it and saw it two days ago. So you're the first people in England to know about this. There's a new console that's come out for uh, young people in China. And you can play games on it, except it's not a console, it's a Bible. And so thousands are now being made in China. Uh, they're given out into schools and, and other places as uh, games. So you can play it as games if anyone's watching. But actually with a certain sequence at the back, it, it's transformed into the Word of God. And they can then read the Bible. So we're, there's a lot going on. So I'm just sharing that you're the first people to know that. And I have, didn't bring visuals. You've got enough I'm showing. But um, the, all of this is going on. This is missions in the 21st century that we're a part of. Okay, so that's China. You've got Iran and lots of Many young people in, in Iran coming to Christ. Many. Many have seen Isa uh, in, in their vision, in, in their dreams. And, and so by the, the rate it's going, um, within a number of years, it would no longer even be an Islamic country. You won't see that on the news. But it's so many are coming to Christ in Iran. Um, then there's Iraq. All right, so um, it's wonderful. It's going to be great. You've got a missions team from here that's going to be going to Iraq. I will bring them back. It's fine. Uh, Where we're going is fine. But the people that we will be meeting have come out of a war zone. The women that that, that they're going to be meeting deliberately, I'm pushing them forward, are going to be sitting with women who have been raped hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times by their um, ISIS master. Many now have escaped. Uh, many are now coming over from Syria, not just Mosul. Uh, and, and so it's an incredible what God is doing. But to see the life of these people that have been under slavery of ISIS, and now they're getting baptized, is incredible. That's what transformation is about. Nothing can reach the heart of a woman that's abused like that. Because women have deep hearts. You women, you carry things for years. I can't even remember what happened yesterday. But for women, you've got deep hearts. 
You remember stuff. I'm not just talking about when my wife and I, if we have a disagreement, she'll raise something that happened in 1842. And I'm like, what? Um, but women remember stuff. I'm not going down that road so you breathe. You're right. I'm not going there. But, but, you know, so for these women, the only thing that can reach the heart of a woman is the gospel of Jesus. Now, that's the same with the men. But, but women do have deep hearts. So to have a team of women, and it's not about what you've done, but God will equip you. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be an amazing time. But do pray. I know you, you will anyways, the other churches. But it's going to be an amazing time. And I know they'll have testimonies to share, which will stir up your faith. God is moving. I've, I've even got a plan just to church plant in Mosul. I've even made a few inquiries. I want to open up an AOG church in Mosul. There's such a need. It's true. I won't send We won't I'll send someone else. But um, I'm kidding. But it's just amazing the need. And, and, and so many um, are coming to Christ. Uh, it, it really is. So what I'm going to do. So I know this is a bit different. But because you haven't taken a holiday this, week, this weekend, like others, like the sinners out there. So for you lot... I'm blessing you. So there's a little bit of a different message, but I'm, I, I know I'm conscious of the time. But just for the next minute, this is the third and final video. This is of Iraq. The very place, um, this is a Back to Jerusalem video. The very place is the very place we're going, the very area. Okay, so a little bit of an introduction, a little bit of um, some information there for uh, you to be aware of what you're a part of, not just with the global body of believers, but even coming closer to home when you're sending people out from this church um, to Iraq. You know, there's still the traditional, there's India, there's Africa, there's all the tradition we've been in for years, but suddenly God is opening doors for the church in what would appear kind of closed nations. And yet so many people are hungering for God. So many are looking for Jesus. And many are finding them in dreams, and, and it really is amazing. So how do you and I play a part in that? Do you know, it builds, it's just all about one thing well, for this morning. One thing. Are you still with me? Are you okay? Don't think about lunch yet. We're not quite there. We're nearly there, nearly there. It's one thing. Do you know what it is? It's confidence. Confidence. I want to conclude this by just sharing a couple of verses. Is that okay? Okay, so this is what I want to share with you. One verse is 1 Peter 5 verse 7. 1 Peter 5 verse 7. Just one verse there. And then there's a, two or three other verses that uh, we want to jump to or jump back to with the book of or the letter of Ephesians. Because there's something here that people can spend years. And you know, these two scriptures, it's amazing how many I meet. Maybe it's not here in Cambridge, but as a part of a church or two churches, um, some of us, we can get this stuff upside down. This is what I mean. 1 Peter 5, 7. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Okay, to cast, to throw, to be rid of, to, to depart, to, to discard. Okay. Casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. And then finally, Ephesians 3, 8 to 12. To me, who am less than the least of all these saints, Ephesians 3, 8 to 12, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, which I love, and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, all, uh, who created all things through Jesus, to the intent 
that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by, by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. Now, verse 11. According to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we now have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. All right, stay with me just for a second. I want to give you a little pitch on it. Maybe a bit of a blank canvas, but this is my conclusion. You've had caution, you care upon the Lord, but now he's telling us that we can have confidence in faith with him. Hebrews 10 verse 35 says, Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. What am I saying? We often throw away confidence and keep what we should be casting. The Bible has made it clear that there are some things that you're hanging on to you need to throw away. But the things we often throw away is the confidence without then allowing us to step out there. Step into the things of God, the plan, the purpose. We throw away the confidence but keep what we should be casting. We need to realign our perspective. And church, my message this morning Cast away the things that don't belong. What needs to be put to death? Put to death. What needs to be resurrected? You know the first love? You know when you love the Lord and just there was the simplicity of that. Sometimes the older you get, life gets complicated. I know that. But there's some things that you need to cast off that you're holding on to. And it's time to hold on to the confidence. Not the confidence in you, but the confidence in him. Because that, do you know what that is? All that is is identity. It's recognizing then, okay, it's all in him anyway. But that confidence is, dwells and it grows in you when you know who you are in him. But quite opposite, we turn it upside down. We cast away that confidence thinking we're no good. We never amount to anything. And th- what we do keep, we should be casting. The fears, what might happen. Fear is, is a great enemy, great f- enemy. Do not fear. Isaiah 41.10, I am finishing. Fear not, for I am with you, the Bible says. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you by my righteous right hand. Who's at the right hand of God? The Son. Okay? So I want you to grab, do you know if there's over 2,000 phobias? Because all you hear in this day, isn't it? Phobias. 2,000. Um, and there's loads. There's fear of water. And I'm not knocking this. There's fear of heights. I don't know why people are fear of height. If you're up in a plane, it's not the height that kills you. It's the ground. Anyway. Uh, the fear of spiders. Do you know there's a fear of shopping, Pastor Phil? Emma? <laughs> yeah. There's a f- people fear shopping. Yeah, I've yet to find one. Um, but do you know, I was in Meadowhall yesterday. Uh, do you know Meadowhall? It's a big shopping mall between Sheffield and Rotherham and it's huge. I was in there yesterday. I met an 80-year-old woman when I was in there. She wasn't 80 when she went in. It's huge. Anyway, that's a joke. Um, they say, I don't know if this is true or not, they say that, that you are born with two phobias, potentially, maybe because of the fall of man. But there is actually the fear of falling and the fear of loud noises. The others are learned fears. Well, to me, if you've learned them, I think you can unlearn them. And the way to unlearn them is through God's word. 
If you feed on God's word, you'll starve the phobias. Light and darkness don't mix. It's, it's quite simple, really. That's why maybe I can understand it. But you feed on God's word. That's why if you sin or you're messed up or you're in a habit, it's really difficult to get into God's word. You just don't feel like it. Because uh, you want to feed that. But you start getting into God's word. Oh, man, that light just shines up on how you're feeling. It's not to condemn you. It's to release you. There's freedom in that. But you can't mix. It's, it, it really is difficult. There was, um, uh, uh, what was it? Um, I'm going to skip a couple of things. There was an international poll. They had two greatest fears, they said. Do you know what they were? The two greatest fears in all the world. In an international poll, it says, um, the fear, this is number one. The greatest fear that people have is speaking in public. And number two is death. It just shows that people would rather die than be up here. I don't know what it is with us. But it's true. It's the poll. And so people would rather die than speak in public. And they've got to face people. Um, maybe it's different. Um, listen, I'm going to jump ahead. I, wanna, I, wanna, I don't want to sound like um, is it Isa or Issa you know, from, from Frozen. But maybe there are some things to let it go. There are some things you've got to let it go. Do you know August is a lovely month? It is a break. It's that type of atmosphere. But September's just coming up. It's a new season, especially in the church. More than any other time in my experience in the year, because Christmas is two weeks, so busy anyway. And you just carry on. But, but for September, after that break, there, God does, you know, because he's the head of the church, so we're in good hands. But he does launch and, and speak to leaders and pastors and church about new things, because he loves the newness of life. He loves all that. And so that's no surprise. My point is in this, and I am closing, is that where do you fit in with this? When there's a newness of life, when there's a newness of uh, culture and season and chapter within this church, where do you fit in? Okay, when it comes to you and your heart, remember this, cast your cares upon him. Let things go that need to be let go, Okay. And hold on to the confidence. Many scriptures in, in, in the Bible, but there's many saying, hold on to the confidence. Okay? Have confidence in this. I want to conclude and read out this while the worship team play. And this is the last uh, thing I want to share. It rained fire. It was totally dark. The pitch blackness lasted for three terrifying days. The sky was literally unleashing stones and Small boulders, panicked residents got trapped in lava, hot ash, or fled to the sea, only to find their escape thwarted by tidal waves. This was Pompeii, not Pompeii, I'm from Pompeii, but in Pompeii in AD 46, after the death of Christ there, it was um, a classic disaster. Every bit as spectacular as the more famous destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah. It had been preceded by tremors and quakes, chasms in the earth, until the day that came when the sky clouded over and lightning flashed and the volcano erupted. During the excavation work, uh, there was a body discovered that had been embalmed by the ashes of that volcano. The body was that of a woman with her feet turned toward the city gate, but with her face turned backward towards something that lay just beyond her outstretched hands. Archaeologists discovered that the woman was reaching for a bag of pearls discovered also at the site. Maybe she had dropped them as she was fleeing for her life, or maybe she found them 
when they had been dropped maybe by another person. All the same, she knew that death was hard at her heels. Life was calling out to her beyond the city gates. And yet she could not resist the lure of those pearls. She had to stop, turn around, because she didn't want to let go. There is stuff behind us, and it may be at times feels like stuff's chasing you from the past. God will cut that off. He's not intimidated by your past. In fact, he's not that interested in it. He's more interested in your future than your past. But for us, we sometimes hold on to our past. So if, if you forget everything else, and I know the bulk of my message is all about missions and back to Jerusalem, but remember this, it's time to let go of the past. God will cut that off. God will cut the cord. He'll do all that. Okay, but the decision to release all that in the heavenlies is through you and making the decision. You may not feel like it, but your feelings will always follow the decisions you make because that you were created in the image of God. So you have the authority there. So make the call. So I want to ask you, would you stand with me? We want to conclude this. I want to thank you for uh, bearing with me as a little bit mismatched with missions and an intro. But God put on my heart. Let's bring things. Let's realign our purpose. Cast to God what needs to be discarded and hold on to the confidence, not of you, but in him. That will give you the boldness to step out. It'll give you a channel to hear from God. There'll be a freedom like never before. You'll be released from stuff where it's simply a memory, but it's no longer tugging at the heart. You'll let go of, you know, the last person to forgive sometimes is yourself. You've only got one life. Cut that cord. Draw a line in the sand. And this is a precious day to do that. When in a season of church, you are about to enter into a new chapter, a new growth, a new season of harvest. God has a plan and purpose, but he wants you to be free to serve him and have the confidence to press on in like nothing else matters. He'll look after you. He's got a plan. He's got a future. So let go of the things that's gone on. Amen. Let me pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm conscious of the time. So I simply put a seal on those words. Anything of me, just cast aside. But all of you, Holy Spirit, would you minister right now? Would you touch each person? Father, would they just know that they know that they know on who they are in you, the call of God that's upon them. I pray for freedom, for a, a defining moment even, as I shared earlier. For each person, that when they leave, or by the time they leave, they know they've had their defining moment with you, Holy Spirit. They suddenly realize more than ever before who they are, and the call of God is on their life. It's not by accident. There's a plan and purpose for each person. Father, let that revelation take place right now, in Jesus' name. Minister to your people who you love so much. I give you thanks for this church. I speak a blessing. I speak that people will be involved like never before. And that, Father, this church, this healthy church, will grow and see things that have only been a desire in the hearts of men. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. And we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless and goodbye.